Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Right Way podcast. Today we are talking about publishing trends for 2021. And the future. the future. This is the crystal ball episode. That's right, the as... crystal ball episode. Well, I think, you know, there are so many changes that happened in 2020, some that were very unexpected, <clears throat> excuse me, in the publishing industry. Less about, I guess this is less about the future and more about the fact that we've just been enduring a pandemic. Yeah, okay, we don't have right, a choice. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, so many publishers have really had to pivot and as have authors, to really figure out what's working and and what wasn't. And as we were doing a little bit of research for this podcast, you know, I I mean, there were going to be some some good things happening and then some kind of unfortunate uh, changes along the way that I think we'll continue to see going forward. And, you know, starting right out of the gate, one of the unfortunate ones is I think we're going to continue to see more digital sales and less sales from bookstores. Now, this is soul crushing for me. Like it's, an unfo- I, it's a very unfortunate thing. Yeah, I can't imagine a world where we can't walk regularly into bookstores. I remember when Borders even started closing, and I mean, you know, Barnes and Noble might be next. And in- although, from the point of view of sales and marketing, we do have an episode coming up that you're going to want to listen to uh, that that does talk yes. a little bit about this, um, a- absolutely, in greater detail and not as bleak. A hundred percent. Yes. And, um, and I think I think that this is an important, this is actually a really important move. And I think this is going to be, this is going to sort of like permeate throughout our culture and throughout, especially like how we buy and how, how commerce happens. It's just sort of like, it's, it's the nature of the thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, right and I mean, you know, book sales, it's so great. The book industry is so resilient. It always has been. I think it always will be. And the ability to be able to click a button and have a book delivered to your door or a Kindle or, you know, whatever it's going to be. The fact that digital sales are going to continue to grow only benefits, you know, self-published authors or authors who um, really want to put work out there. Their readers can buy them, buy their books at a lower price point, and they don't actually have to leave their home to walk into a bookstore to purchase a book. So I think we're really going to see an uptick in digital sales. So if you are planning on I think on reach launching- will be, will continue to be greater, right? I mean, it, it like, it was just so much, like you, you talked a lot about it because you launched a book uh, during the pandemic and you, you did, you did feel like you, you sort of had access to a much larger, uh, audience, a much larger audience. I don't think, you know, sales were quite as, um, (laughs) robust as, as we would have liked, but I think that yes, the reach, the ability to reach someone by, you know, promoting your work digitally versus having to be in person is, such an advantage for authors everywhere. And even for like bookstore owners who, if they're doing these virtual events or or pushing online sales, you know, of course they can reach so many more people than 
than those who are directly in their community. So I think we all have to think outside the box a little bit with how we move books, how we promote them, how we find them. Um, I know it can be a very saturated market. So I think there are going to be some really interesting marketing strategies around promoting those digital sales. Um, another publishing trend that we're probably going to see uh, in 2021 that we've already seen um, really take shape already is more nonfiction um, published around very important and integral social justice issues. Obviously, this is a very important thing. And I, th I think also like, you know, related to that, we're going to see some really um, some some key elevating of some very important um voices within uh within that particular nonfiction uh uh nonfiction subset. And even even in fiction, I mean, you know, I think the content, the importance of the content, what editors are really hungry for, that conversation is really starting to change. I was so thrilled, you know, I've talked about it before. I was on a panel recently of all thriller writers. They were all white and we were talking about trends and I said, hey, look at everyone. There were like six of us. And I was like, where are the <laughs> African-American writers, the Indian writers, the Asian writers, like writers of all different ethnicities? Why is this like a white genre? And I was in Target the other day and saw a really popular thriller novel. And it was by this amazing African-American writer. And again, in the thriller genre, I do not see a ton of other ethnicities and I it just thrilled me to see another voice another person's perspective on the page and I think we're going to continuously see a rise in all voices and not just any one one subset not just African-American not just Asian-American not I mean I think it's going to be such a beautiful blend of all the voices out there and to really celebrate everyone yeah so content so we have digital sales a little bit of a shift in content and then- Or just maybe <laughs> an expansion in content. An expansion, yeah. yes, for sure. Um, because yeah, I don't think editors wanna see the same old things. I mean, I think you know, you constantly have to stay ahead of the trends, but but in terms of nonfiction, you know, people don't want the fluff. They don't want like how to lose 10 pounds. They want <laughs> to know how to change the fucking world because yeah. that's what, what we no, need. That's so a good I- point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super excited about that. Um, another thing that we're going to continue to see. <laughs> and when I was researching, oh, I was you like, guys are going to fucking love this. Yes. The author platform is going to be more important now than ever before. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of ways to really look at this. We've, if you're really wondering what an author platform is, we actually did a podcast episode all around the author platform. I would encourage you to go back and check out, but you know, an author platform highly misunderstood. It It is composed of several different elements. And the great thing about it is you can start small. And I don't think any longer, and even in 2021, I think we're going to start to see that these huge communities, you don't need tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of followers to have an engaged audience. You can do the same thing and make such an impact with just like a thousand people. Well, have, yeah, have a thousand people who are engaging with you, not 10,000 people who aren't. Exactly. Um, and I, I do think, think that there's a silver lining in this author platform. I do think, and you and I talk about this all the time, Rhea, is like there's gonna be a little bit of a, of a diversification in what that includes and what that means. And um, I think there's gonna be more, maybe more, 
more opportunities and more outlets for you to for for writers to build an author platform where they won't feel like they're having to rely on the same old completely and i mean i think that this you know goes back to to last week's episode when we were talking about the beginner's mindset you know don't be in a rush to build that author platform or to get published or to worry so much about you know oh god i've got to do this if i want to be published like make sure that you have a good book or a good product first. And then again, you know, usually that writing, whatever it is, will you'll find your audience. But I think you can do it organically. You can do it bit by bit. It doesn't have to be this huge campaign to like find your people immediately or else. Um, but I think that for publishers, if you wanna be published, it is gonna to continue to be important, but I do think it's gonna to start to shift a little bit and become about more organic, uh, an organic engaged community versus, you know, a million followers that are just bought. Yep, um, and on that note, uh, then one of the other trends that obviously we're gonna see sort of increasing and becoming more important is uh, cross-promotion with other authors and other formats. Yeah, and I talk about this a lot with um, authors who come to us and they don't have an author platform. You know, chances are you know maybe four or five people who do have a good engaged following and you can hopefully create a relationship with them and create the opportunity to maybe cross-promote like you can help them in some way, they can help you in some way. And, you know, if you can find four or five people to help promote your work or, you know, do a couple of interviews with you or whatever it is, going on a, going on a podcast with someone with a really big reach that fits in with your audience, that is the way to brand build, to cross promote. Again, you can do it very, very slowly with intention, but really trying to help authors um and also help yourself in the process exactly and it's one of the great i think or one of the unexpected like positive outcomes of having to rely so much this last year in 2020 on 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 digital promotion or on digital networking uh platforms is we're, we're i think is the building of like not only like engagement uh, with your author platform and your audience, but engagement between within your own author community, within your own writer community, a more engaged and helpful and sort of cooperative community. I think it's, I actually, I think these things are actually really, uh, most of them, all of them are really positive. I, I agree. And this next one, we'll link to this in the show notes, but I was like, wait, what? Um, the kind of going to take the place of editors somewhat. And I think that this is going to take a while, but they are doing artificial intelligence for objective feedback on authors' works where they have a program that you can like submit your book to and they will pinpoint all the potential issues, problems, what you need to fix without it being an actual person with, you know, a set of their own like opinions, but you'll actually get <laughs> And I mean, don't be scared because <laughs> there is like there like 
spell check is its own rudimentary version of AI. So like, just relax. Yes. It's all. But I thought that, gonna, I thought that was so interesting. Over. I was like, wait, yeah. what? Like, yeah. I'm really curious well, on, on how that's going to shake out. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of um, emerging technology that can be used, that'll be used in publishing. Um, you know, you and I sort of like briefly talked about it before, but I think, you know, AR, AI for objective feedback, obviously, and, you know, um, germane to one of our earlier points about marketing and promotions is I think seeing the use of like, you know, e extended reality um, technology like v uh, virtual reality or augmented reality um, using using those platforms even to to market books or change even the experience of reading. I think in a lot Completely. of ways is something yeah. that um, we could see at some point. Um, the next, this next trend um, is obviously one I talk um, about a lot. Something actually, <laughs> it's we talk about it all the time. Um, but uh, I think we think that it'll become much more of like not only a trend but just like a very common and very necessary habit is. Uh, authors, writers and authors checking out their competition and seeing what they're doing effectively to keep readers engaged, to keep readers, to gain new readers. Um, I th it's going to be a big important part is, is assessing what your, what your competition is a, up to. A hundred percent. And I mean, we, I think I've said it on um, a former podcast, but one of my clients, you know, when we got to the competitive title section of a book, she had this suggestion. I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. And I'm going to tell everyone about this. But when you are checking out your competition, so it's always important to check out four or five authors who are similar to you or that you look up to, that you would like to be like, that have been published recently, read their reviews, but read the bad ones. Read what is missing or what didn't connect with them and figure out maybe, especially if you're writing nonfiction, how you can bridge that gap. Or if it's fiction, you know, maybe, you know, maybe readers are really sick and tired of like the unreliable narrator or the big twist at the end, or not that you have to write for your readers, but I think seeing what's working for your readers and what isn't um, in the competitive landscape can kind of help you stay ahead of the trends and stay ahead of the curve um, and create something super new and, and novel, you know? Um, and then this one, you know, I think we've started to see an uptick of this anyway, but collaborative publishing, which, you know, we sometimes refer to as hybrid publishing, I think is really going to start to increase quite a bit. Um, we always joke that hybrid publishing is uh, kind of hard to define or kind of hard to pinpoint, but it really is the best of the traditional world with the best of self-publishing. And you have to do your due diligence and you have to do your research on that. But I think authors are really tired of not having any control, but they don't necessarily want to have all of the responsibility of self-publishing. So I think we're going to see more and more publishers start to kind of come out of the woodwork that are going to offer more of that collaborative experience, which in my opinion is, is the way it should be anyway. Hey guys, uh, it's Joe. I'm just going to pop in here for one second uh, with a really exciting announcement. And I never thought I'd be this excited about a social media platform. Is it a social media platform? I don't even know. But the point is, is that right way is about to be on Clubhouse. Uh, maybe you know it's the audio only socializing, networking, um, professional betterment platform 
that is all the rage right now. And Rhea and I are excited to say that we are now part of the trend. We will be in Clubhouse starting this week, every Thursday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time in the right way hour. Any topic within the realm of writing or publishing is on the table and no question will be out of bounds. So um, this episode that you're listening to right now is dropping on Tuesday, the 19th. So this Thursday, the 21st, we will be in Clubhouse in the right way hour, beginning your weekly access to us, asking questions and getting them answered about publishing, about writing in real time. Uh, it's going to be everything that we cover on the podcast and more, much, much more. So be sure to join us there. Look for the right way hour. Uh, Rhea and I in Clubhouse being trendy and shit. Um, and so I guess that's just how we roll now. Uh, thanks for listening. And now we will get back to the episode. Well, that's something that we want to see. And we, you know, we talk about this a lot as well. And I think, you know, right now it's not necessarily cut and dry and obviously independent self-publishing slash self-publishing has, has been, you know, has been growing and evolving for, you know, a decade, decades now, but, um, it's, it still seems pretty cut and dry that it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the hybrid traditional and, and, and self, but I, I think, I think we think that we're going to see like more of a divide and subdivide. And I, again, we think that that's going to be something that's going to be really, really good. Um, I, we think that we're going to see a lot more publishing companies that maybe are offering some of those traditional services, but are going to like, let their writers be writers. Um, I know Ugh. for us here at right way, we are, we've been talking we are about. desperate um, down the road yes. to uh, to create a, a publishing arm of our own where we can pick and choose um, the best components of each to give to give our writers and to give authors the the best possible shot and the best possible experience um, for for their their uh, for the end of their publishing journey. I, I it's something that's truly missing right now. I, I think I, I agree, and I mean I really do want to create a publish like a publishing house where writers can just be writers and they have true experts to take care of all the other shit. I mean, I am I am highly passionate about that. And if I can figure out a way where it's profitable for the author and profitable for us to do the same thing, I, we're going to make it happen. But, you know, I get so many amazing authors that I work with for their nonfiction proposals or even for fiction. And when we send them off to publishers, you know, I mean, again, Eight times out of 10, seven times out of 10, they'll get a yes. But the ones that don't have so much merit, they their work deserves to be heard. And the reason it's a no is always because of that author platform. And I'm a strong believer that like, if you put a book out into the world, someone's gonna find it, someone's gonna connect with it. And it doesn't necessarily have to sell 100,000 copies to be successful. I feel like, you can really take your time, a book, you know, you can promote forever. And I don't know why in all publishing houses, it's this mad dash. Like if you don't make a splash in the first two weeks, you're irrelevant. Bye. Next. And I think that's because so many of them are publishing, you know, hundreds and thousands of books. But then the small guys who are only publishing 10 books a year, 25 books a year, don't have the capital to really help their authors make a dent. So there is this like disconnect there. I think there's room to disrupt. And Joe and I, we just want to disrupt the space <laughs> eventually. That's so 
our whole goal. Yes, to disrupt the space. Um, so keep an eye and, out for that. Yeah, and next. and kind of piggybacking off of that, um, I recently did an amazing moderating event um, with one of my favorite authors, Christina Rilo, who is hopefully going to be on the podcast. Um, if everyone has not heard of her, get her book Overwhelmed and Over It. It is the most life-changing book I've probably ever read, but she was talking about her experience with like the big boys and, you know, when she got the biggest advance of her life, she got the, the least support. And she said something that blew my mind. And she said, you know, when you get an advance from a publisher, so when a publisher is giving you money for your book, that is debt. You have just accumulated debt. You now owe them. You know, you don't have to pay it back, but you do have to sell X amount of copies before you ever see another dime from your own work. So like, let that sink in for a second because all of these authors, at least a lot of aspiring authors I know, myself included, we've been guilty of like, I want the six-figure advance. I want the six-figure advance. I I want the big advance and the support and all of that. And that means that you literally have racked up that much debt and will not ever see another dime unless you perform to to their expectations. You are now beholden to them for that specific amount of money. And I've never, ever thought about it like that, but it reminded me that it is such a business. And then she also said, went on to say what a patriarchy this is and how so many publishers are run by men. And I mean, it just like, it was something that I've never even really thought about. And so I started researching women-owned publishers, which we will also link to in the show notes. And, you know, there there are no really big publishers that are women-run and women-owned. And again, my goal would be to disrupt, to make a splash, and to to just change the game a little bit. Well, I mean, and this is like also imparting to 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 you guys listening that um, the return or or your working with or or getting signed on with a smaller to mid sized publisher is that the the boutique representation is a highly underrated yes, highly. path. And I can definitely, you know, I, I, I will also like relate it to like the the film and TV industry. Um, there are so many instances where uh, great, great writers, I think, get lost in big agencies. Um, and I think it's really unfortunate. And I think, and, and the same thing can happen here. I always feel that I would rather be uh, the at the top of the list of a smaller mid-sized publisher oh my God. than at the bottom of one with a big one. Can I just know? speak to that for a second? So when not uh, my first book was, um, it went to auction and it was between two publishers, Macmillan, which is one of the big five, and a smaller press, ironically, which has since gone out of business and I'm so glad I didn't go with them, but it was with an editor that I loved. I loved both editors equally. But the editor from the smaller publishing house, they wanted to make, they wanted me to have a hardback book. They wanted me to be a lead title. They offered me more money than they've ever offered any author. Um, It was a two book deal. I would have been kind of like the quote unquote star of that publishing house. And she said, you know, my fear for you, if you go with the big five, and she didn't know what my other author what uh, my other offer was, but she was like, "I'm afraid you'll just get lost, and I, I don't want you to get lost. I want you to 
to kind of rise. And that really stuck with me. But again, I was like, no, I want to be with the big five. I've been with mid-size, smaller publishers in the past, and I want to know the difference in experience. And ironically, I was just talking with Doug Siebold, who is the publisher of Agate, which is an amazing independent publisher in Evanston, Illinois. I published um, Power Vegan with them, which was my second nonfiction book. And I was chatting with him the other day and I said to him, you know, just so you know, like that was back in 2013, um, your my experience with you guys even though i still had so much to learn i was still a very new author it was the best publishing experience i've ever had because i had direct access to the publisher i knew what my expectations were i knew how many books i needed to um to sell i could go visit him anytime i wanted and go into the office and sit down and chat about things it was collaborative i was able to put input uh, my own input into what I wanted to see, what I didn't. And he was like, you have no idea how much that means to hear that, um, especially since you have had a different experience. And I'm not knocking the big five. I'm, I've been super happy with all of my publishing experiences, except the very first one. But but I do think, you know, we have our eyes set on this. Well, that wasn't about size. That was about quality sure, and treatment, but I mean, et cetera, But I do think the yeah. size does matter. Ooh, size matters. Oh. Um, in terms of. Bet you guys just, didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, you know, if you, again, if, if you're with the publisher who's publishing 50 books a year versus 2000 or something, you know, there, there is a difference. Um, and I'm very transparent about that. Like I'm a very mid-list author with my, with my publisher. I'm not one of the big superstars. I think I could grow to be book over book, you know, year over year and kind of prove myself and, and all of that. But I think it really goes back to you defining your goals and what you want and what you need. Um, and what kind of attention, you want from from your publisher. And sometimes it's just trial and error and seeing what works and what doesn't. But I'd say if if you try something and you don't love it, try something new. Like you can find your home no matter what. Um, and just the last thing, again, this is going back to Christina Rilo. Like I, I was so blown away by what she said, but one trend I would love to see in 2021 and beyond is around the book launch. Um, I don't know a single author who doesn't feel like a chicken with its head cut off, like running wild, doesn't know what's happening. And she said, we were talking about this, and she said, I no longer launch a book, I unveil it. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? I love that, unveiling versus launching. And she really does it in stages. She realized that launching a book makes her feel like frenetic and unhinged and just she can't be intentional about anything. So she now takes her time and really unveils her book in stages and does some events and then kind of hangs back and figures out what other supplementary materials she wants to create and then kind of hangs back and really does it in a very strategic manner where it doesn't feel like you have to do it all now and then you don't do anything ever again. And I would really love to start to see that with publishers and taking a slightly different approach where it's not all about this crazy timeline, but we really start to see 
more intention with these books that authors have sometimes taken years to write and then it comes out and then it's over in like two to six weeks and moving on. Like, no, I think, I think it should change. I think it's time for it to change. And the first step in doing that is the author. The author can decide they're going to unveil and not launch. Absolutely. And, and I mean, all of this, this is stuff that is unavoidable, the unavoidable evolution of any kind of uh, creative market or creative industry. And I think what we've seen in 2020 and what's going to be interesting about 2021 and, you know, the stuff that Rhea and I want to do, uh, obviously with our company and hopefully the stuff that will catch on uh, in these trends that we've talked about is that I do think 2020 is like, it, it's, it sort of shoved us along, right? It sort of was like, it was an odd kind of bottleneck. And so I think while we've seen some minor evolutions over the course of years and years and years and years, uh, in a lot of industries, I think this is this is uh, this is going to be an interesting time because I think we're going to see a lot of very sudden changes um, that are going to become mainstream and 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 requisite uh, very very quickly. So I mean, watch out, twenty twenty one and beyond, uh, the game is going to change. I agree, and if it's not, we're going to make it. <laughs> well, we're yeah, we're going to fucking do that oh anyway. Oh my gosh! Right? <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, tune in next week. Absolutely. See you then. Hey, thanks again for listening to The Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about Right Way, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 